force kicks and fires. He struck him out looking. It's over. It's over. The Rangers have won the World Series. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions after 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise. The wait is over, and the celebration has begun. Folks, congratulations on a World Series championship. How on earth did Chris Young fry you off your couch to be a champion once again? What's going through your mind? Uh, it's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> a year ago, I was sitting on a recliner and doing a little fishing, playing a little golf, and here we are. We just won a World Series, and I'm a byproduct of what these guys did. It, it's unreal. Well, there you go. I mean, we can argue, we could talk about how much a manager really means in the game these days. But uh, Kevin Barker, safe to say that uh, for a lot of people who've been around the game for a long time, um, seeing Bruce Bochy win a World Series, uh, as was the case yesterday when the Texas Rangers beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 5 uh, nothing to take that series in five games, it, it really doesn't get old. Yeah, I don't, you look, I, we talk about the manager thing all the time. I've had a bazillion managers, and, and you know, there's, I think, only one or two Bochies of the world. And, you know, I, I don't think this time of the year, I think for me anyway, it comes down to the superstars that are on the field, right? The Evaldis, the Seegers of the world. You can throw Simeon in there and a cast of characters that will get you where you need to go. But the manager can't get in the way, right? That's I mean, he, he, can, he can screw things up. And I think that, for me anyway, the time that I was around Bochy and the people that you hear talk to Bochy, he just gets the heck out of the way, right? I, that, I mean, it's just sort of that. It's, I, I hate to keep bringing this up, and we've talked no, about this till we're, till we're blue. I mean, it's like the Barrios thing. Occasionally, you just got to get the hell out the way, right? And I think, for me anyway, that's Bruce, uh, Bruce Bochy's big the strength is sometimes he just takes a step back and gets out of the way. And, you know, I think that is, that is a byproduct of a bunch of experience. I'm sure he hasn't always been that way. I'm sure he's went through his bumps in the road. And, you know, again, I think, uh, you know, when you have a shortstop that their team does, when you have a Valdi who, man, I, I mean, heck, who else would you rather have in big games? I mean, I, it would be hard pressed to say any other name than his, like, Right, the the traffic that he had yesterday, the pitches that he made when he had to make them, it's just it's. I think you know, money can't buy happiness. I think it's yeah. the whole gist of this. It, well, actually, it, it can works. actually. Money <laughs> does works. buy happiness. Yeah, it does. yeah. There's not much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny because uh, 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 Travis Sawchuk of the Score uh, put a put an article up. I thought there was a great quote in it from uh, Nathaniel Lowe, and it was earlier in the year. Uh, Travis was talking to him and, and just talked about the Rangers. And, I, uh, and Nathaniel basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know what's amazing? When you have happy players. Yeah. Like when guys show up to the clubhouse, like being here, like the manager, like the GM, like it just, it, it, it's amazing how different things are when you're just happy. And I, and I, and and I think there's there's something to be said for that. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Boach, and I, and I, the last two World Series, the two pictures for me are one Dusty in his little corner making sure he finished his scorecard right when they were <laughs> celebrating on the field because you know Dusty has kept every scorecard since he's managed yeah. and he was yeah. putting in the final out. <clears throat> and before he can hug anybody, 
Yeah. yeah. And yesterday, <laughs> did Boach move from that seat the whole no. game? And you no. know now, as the guy's got two new hips and a replacement knee, so I understand that he's probably not going to be breakdancing uh, <laughs> during the game. But I just thought, yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Um, two guys who kind of got out the way, but you're also yeah. right, Kevin. Uh, Corey Seager getting uh, a, another MVP award. I mean, was there as that series went on, as the postseason went on, was there ever any doubt who it was going to be? You know, once Adolis Garcia left, and this mm-hmm. is the thing that that uh, we'll be joined by Jason Stark later on the show. I'm sure we'll talk about this. Jason pointed out Corey Seager had one single. Yeah. One single. Now, it was a pretty damn big hit, as it turns out. But that was one of the – that's one of the best postseason performances I've seen, Kevin, start to finish from a, from yeah, I a single be, I, player. I, I got to be honest with you. When you think of Corey Seager, you don't think of him as the one of the top five best players no. in all the baseball. I do now, though. I do I, now. Yeah, you do now. I think that's the whole – what you took away from this was, especially after Moreno's trying to bunt in the third inning with first and second. I mean, I was cheering. so I've never cheered so hard for an opposing team in my entire life. I know we've been poking fun at the Moreno and the Loris Gurriel Jr. thing, but as soon as Moreno <laughs> – butted with first and second in the third inning in a nothing-nothing game when you could tell Nathan Avaldi was a little all over the place, right? It's going to be a grind. He was going to work through it. And you could just tell once they gave him an out and he knew who was coming to the plate and he didn't have to make a perfect pitch oh. to get him out and then they got the ground out, right? You sort of knew the writing was on the wall. So, yeah, it was. By the was way, Tori Lovello said, getting to the point about managers getting out of the way, Tori Lovello did say after the game that, that, that Gabriel Moreno put that. That was his own call. My first reaction was, thank God. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about small ball. I've talked about it. it. Uh, uh, yeah, in that case, I do, because I can't yeah. imagine. I, 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 yeah, I absolutely do believe him. I, look, um, who knows what happens to guys when they're in pressure situations and things aren't going well. I'm sure Gabriel Moreno will learn from it. But, man, oh, man, I, I just uh, – I see things like that, and it just it, it, it just makes you shake your head. I mean, I, at that point, I'm sure you're seeing the same thing I'm thinking. At that point, I, I'm thinking, okay, who's Bruce going to go to? Because there's no way Yavaldi's given me four or five in this game. It's just, it's just not going to happen. You let him off the hook. You, you really let him off the hook. Uh, you don't, yeah, for me it wasn't so. It wasn't so. You don't much give about away outs. You don't give away outs, Kevin. Is the way I look at you it. You have to. You have to understand where you're hitting in the order. You have to understand why a manager puts you in that position. Is he thinks that you can come through with a big hit because the dude standing behind sure. you has had some issues in the playoffs, right? And you know it sort of worked out to where you know it's even it's even in the first inning when Bruce Bochy puts the middle of the infield all the way in instead of halfway in mm-hmm. because of how fast the dude is at third. For whatever reason, both of those managers thought it was a giant deal if you scored first, and how big of a deal it was to put a little bit of pressure on a kid to bring the infield in and just sort of feel smothered. I've been in situations like that in the big leagues where the closer that infield gets to you, it just makes you feel a little uncomfortable. And then it you add to. the lights that is, have been never brighter for a dude that's been put in a three-hole to drive in runs like that. That just tells you where Bruce Bochy's mind's at. And, 
you know, what it takes to win it at the level that he's been winning at. And it's just little things like that in the first inning that'll sort of, you know, reach over and slap another opposing team in the face, which is exactly it- what happened. So, yeah, I just don't understand it. This is a learning experience. I know we've talked about is, is Moreno a superstar? Eh, I think sometimes you got to, before you speak, you got to let it play out a little bit and take a step back and just actually see what what unfolds right in front of you and just understand that experience matters. And I think those, to your point, is one of those situations where I'm hitting in the three-hole. I've been a pretty good hitter. I've been driving fastballs to the pool side in the air. I mean, what better chance? I had a three-run homer or a two-run double right here because of the way my dude looks on the mound, and I have a decent enough bullpen that my manager can match up is a pretty good position for me and my team. Maybe if you'd have had it to do over with, probably to, you know, that's a pretty good pitch to hit, too, the one that he bunted. It, well, that was a real good point. Yeah, the, the, a good pitch for yeah. a number three hitter and, and to, to do some damage with. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, look, uh, I mean, it, can't just lay it on him. They, The Diamondbacks could not get a hit with runners in scoring position. Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s at bat, uh, bouncing out to, to Corey Seager with the bases loaded in the first pitch. Yeah, it wasn't just Gabriel Moreno. Uh the the play in center field with Alec Thomas. Now I know you weren't a center fielder, but what did he do wrong there? I mean, I understand he he let the ball get by him. I'm going captain obvious, but was that just taking your eye off the ball? Was that trying to do two things at once? I mean, it didn't look like it was the worst route. It looked like he was where he had to be. Yeah, I th- again, I think it's about what the scoreboard tells you, right? How close the game was, how every single one of those runs matter, how you're He's trying, trying to save to, 90 feet, isn't he, abso- at that point? Absolutely, right. He's trying to get the ball and throw it before he actually catches it, those kind of things. And, again, this just gets back to the Diamondbacks, right? It's it's – you know, and I, I wonder, you know, with the with the GM meetings coming up, the conversations that might be had in the owners' meetings that'll be soon too, right? Later on in the year, that uh, just will there be changes, right? We do know what happened to the hundred win teams. You know, will will there be changes to where the wild card teams have no days off? Maybe the DS is seven games instead of five games. Like they make little moves to. You know, because most of the time, a 100-win team playing, say, an 84-win team, the 84-win team is an 84-win team probably because the the longevity of the talent, right, just the Mm -hmm. the 1 through 26 is probably not there when it comes to a 84-win team. So maybe they make some changes just to where, you know, the more talent ends up at the end of the season – I'm not saying they're going to try and force the envelope to actually get them there, but there's probably a reason why those teams win 100 games or close to 100 games the regular season, and and you just see it right. You you sort of saw at the end of the day, the team that had more talent beat the team that did. Yeah, I mean it's just that's quite fr- it's just the way it was. Like it well, was, you know what they say, me against defense, you and and you lost. Like what what wins in the postseason? Defense and hitting, right? Never mind the pitching. Defense and hitting wins. Uh, in the postseason. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so credit the Texas, Texas Rangers. Mark ba- uh, Mark Boffo, our producer, he'll join us. He's always on the line. Mark <laughs> Feinstein, executive reporter with MLB.com, will join us in a few minutes. Uh, feel good for Marcus Semien in particular, Kevin. Uh, got to know him a little bit when he was here. He obviously had an impact on this team. I like 
we spent most of this postseason talking about uh, Marcus Semien and his lack of production. I mean, to me, one of the one of the I guess really nice storylines in this as well is Marcus Semien did show up in the final three games of this of this playoff, and he doesn't have to go into the off season kind of answering the question about yeah the ring's real nice how come he hit 125 uh he he, he came up big when they needed him yeah both, I know, I know. both of the guys they spent a ton of money on came up big when they well needed all him. of a sudden now you think money matters i mean every time i bring this up to you with the blue jays you you, you tend to roll your eyes and say what no. does it matter who cares about how much money he makes a year it does matter that's why you give it to him like this time of the year when the lights are the brightest and you know you one of your better players goes down you pay a dude to step up in these moments in the last two games i mentioned that the first bat a couple of days ago for me turned this whole thing around yep. and you could see it even yesterday with the little separation that he has meaning that the timing was better and you could see it the more balls he fouled off in that first at bat the better his swings got and the better the time he got it just gives him a little bit better separation and allows him to get the barrel out in front of the ball he's a slug guy to the pull side and I like it, too, which you rarely see this from Marcus. When he hit the home run in the ninth inning, you saw him look to the sky and just yell as loud as he could yell. When's the last yeah. time you ever saw Marcus do that? Oh, I mean, no. You were around Marcus forever. You never see that. Marcus so has he put could, his head down, run around the bases, absolutely, guys, right? So it was, it was a giant deal that he understood what he means to that team, especially who's hitting behind him, what the other try, team's trying to do or not let that guy do that's hitting behind him and who is not in the lineup and, you know, sort of what that momentum thing means, right? You just don't want to let a lesser team off the hook. And for you to get big hits when it matters, it's a big deal. That's why you pay these dudes big-time money. Like, money uh, matters. I mean, it's like I say this with George Springer all the time, right? It's 0 for 30s. Well, you're not allowed to have yeah. those. Let's just Kevin, say it like it is. Their uh, their pitching gets healthy in the off season. How good are the Rangers going to be next year? Are, are, are we? Do you, do you think they've? Are they good enough? I understand this is purely hypothetical, and it's a horrible hypothetical question. Are they good enough to be multiple World Series champions? Do you think? That's a great question. I, you know, I would say the Red Sox will be better. The Yankees will be better. Uh, you know, the, some uh, the, probably the Braves will learn from what they've been doing wrong. I'm sure there'll be some changes to the format on how it works. Uh, you know, they, they've sort of let the, the cat out of the bag about the blueprint, right? You can't win it with a superstar in your lineup. You can win it with one really good pitcher. I mean, Evaldi made six starts. They won all six starts that he made. Like, that's a big mm -hmm. deal. So, I mean, obviously they are. They'll, they'll add to some pieces because their bullpen's not good enough. So, and the answer, short answer, is yes, but it's impossible almost to repeat just right. because of the other teams and the blueprint. And, you know, the khakis are pretty good, too, on some other teams. <laughs> they are. Mark Feinsand is executive reporter with MLB.com, joins us in Blair and Barker. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Uh, look, at you know, obviously the game is won in the field. The game is won in the dugout. But it, uh, Kevin and I were talking about this before we came on, and I made the point – I don't know how often I've heard a general manager's – I don't think I've heard a general manager get mentioned as often in post-game conversations by players or by a manager uh, as much as we heard Chris Young getting credit from, from, from guys yesterday, whether it was bringing Boach, getting Boach off the recliner, uh, as Boach said, or you know, selling Corey's – Selling, selling guys and what they wanted to do, uh, being aggressive at the trade deadline. 
how important was Chris Young to this whole this whole thing? Very important. I mean, I think, you know, first of all, I mean, bringing in Bochy to me was the, the thing that put it all together. You know, this team obviously had talent. Um, you know, you had to go out and find some guys that was seeing on Semyon two years ago. Last year it was, you know, DeGrom and Evaldi and then training for Scherzer and Montgomery. So certainly a lot of the moves that Chris Young made were very important to getting the Rangers to where they ultimately got. Um, but I think, you know, talking Bruce Bochy off the couch and bringing him in, uh, was the thing that tied it together. I think we'd also be remiss if we don't give John Daniels a little bit of credit here because he was the president of baseball operations when they signed Seager, when they signed Semyon, and when they started to make some of the trades to bring some of these guys in. Um, you know, and, and Chris Young himself mentioned John Daniels last night. So I think uh, he has to get a little bit of the credit here as well. But, you know, Chris Young certainly you know seems to deserve all the credit that, that was being thrown his way. After this playoffs, uh, can we put the rest that Corey Seager is not a top five player in baseball? He is now, right? I mean, we, there's no question about that. I don't. I don't think there's ever been a question that he had the talent to be in that list. Uh, he just didn't stay healthy for a long time, and that was always a knock against him. Uh, was just you know the whole one of the best abilities is availability, and that was something that <clears throat> that he didn't have for a very long time. And you know we've seen him excel. And I think there were some questions when he signed his contract of you're giving a guy 10 years and $325 million, you know, really can't stay on the field on a regular basis. I mean, he's not Marcus Simeon, who I think has missed, what, one game in the last three years. He played in all 170-something games this year. Um, that guy is just a, a rock. He's, you know, as close to – it's just a ridiculous thing to say, but as close to a Cal Ripken as we've seen in the current game um, – and when you look at Seeger, when he's been able to play, nobody's ever questioned how good he is, right? I mean, he was a building block, foundational block of those Dodger teams that, you know, that got to the World Series. And, um, you know, but if you look at his his career history, you know, played 26 games in 2018, he played 95 games in 2021. Uh, you know, they, even this year he missed, what, 43 games during the season. So, um I don't think there's a question of how good he is. Uh, it was just a matter of how healthy can he be. Mark, are there any wide-ranging lessons or broad lessons to be learned from the Texas Rangers this year? You know, the first thing I thought of was I, I'm, I don't know if pitching in defense necessarily wins World Series all the time. I, I, I think being able to score at, what, a level close to the 27 Yankees, that probably helps every now and then, too. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, that's not, not not a bad thing. I don't think any team is going to regret scoring uh, to the level that they scored. Um, you have to have some pitching. You can't just have an offensive team that you know that goes out there and, and wins ten eight every day. Because when you get to the playoffs, you're going to run into pitching. You know they ran into a team in Arizona that had two starters basically, and mm-hmm. you know unless those starters are named you know Johnson and Schilling, uh, it, it's hard to win that way. Uh, you know, going to the bullpen game in a World Series game is a bit of a risky proposition, and uh, especially when you're facing a lineup like Texas. So, if anything, I think you know the offense helps. Defense is huge. You know, when you're not costing yourself outs and giving away runs, that's uh, you know any team is gonna gonna succeed when that's the case. Um, but to me, having Evaldi, having Montgomery uh, certainly helped. Having a, a you know some some starters in the bullpen who give you some innings. I mean, John Gray was huge in this series. 
Um, you know, it, it's interesting to me. We keep talking about oh, starting pitching is dead and you don't need starting pitching to, to win. At the end of the day, you still need some starting pitching to win. And, uh, you know, I think when you look at the teams that got far in the playoffs this year, uh, whether it's, you know, Nola and Wheeler, whether it's Kelly and, and um, you know, Kelly and Gallon, whether it's Montgomery and, and Nivaldi, you have to have a couple starters who are going to go out there and give you some length, give you some distance, and not burn your bullpen early in a series. Because if you burn your bullpen early in a series, it's going to catch up to you eventually. I would think other teams that watch the Rangers uh, win the World Series, they would think first and foremost is how do we find our Evaldi? And, you know, again, I, I don't know how many 99s we saw, but we did see a bunch of 96s, you know, on corners and elevated. I think the elevated fastball was a big deal for him, this playoffs, and, you know, throwing the split finger, tunneling on that thing, which a lot of the times it wasn't the best of pitches for him. I. I just wonder if your other teams, and you're looking at Evaldi, like where do you start? I, I mean, I, I, I guess he would, he can stuff you to death on occasion, but not all the time. I, and I, I guess my question would be is, how do you find enough heart? Because, you know, I, I think that's hard to equate as heart. But, boy, when you watch him, especially last night, all the traffic, it was sort of, it's going to be a grind. Just get out of my way and let me figure it out. How do you find that if you're an opposing team, do you think? I'm not sure it's easy to find. I mean, I think, you know, Nathan Evaldi to me is one of the most underrated pitchers in the game. Uh, I got to watch him up close for a couple of years when he was with the Yankees and I was on the beat those years. Um, and, you know, they didn't have a lot of success as a team necessarily, but you watched him pitch and he's another guy early in his career when he was, when he was healthy, he was good, but he was never quite healthy enough. Uh, and when he finally got the chance to, to show what he could do in October, We've seen he's, I mean, he's arguably the best postseason pitcher of the past, you know, let's say five to eight years. I mean, I, I don't think you know, you've seen guys go out there in a specific postseason. You think about like Strasburg uh, and the year he had with the Nationals in 2019. Uh, and that was, you know, as good of a postseason as we've seen a guy have. Um, but Evaldi's shown it now over a few different postseasons that. Uh, he doesn't get rattled. If you know the guy at all, and I got to know him pretty well during those years in New York, he's uh, he's a pretty chill guy. He doesn't. He's not a guy who gets himself all pumped up and riled up before a you know before a start. And so I think that enables him to go out there and sort of keep that slow heartbeat in those big situations. Uh, I think of another guy that I covered, David Robertson, out of the bullpen. Same kind of thing. His first postseason with the Yankees in 09, when he came in, bases loaded, nobody out, and got out of it because that's just the personality he has. He's not going to make the moment bigger than it needs to be. He's going to just take it one batter at a time, and that seems to be what Ibaldi does. And now you've seen this guy, you know, dominate in the postseason. Uh, you know, he won. I think the Rangers won all six of the starts. He was five and zero, and you know he's now done this with two different World Series teams between Boston uh, and Texas. So I, I think some guys are built for that moment. Some guys wilt in that moment. And clearly he's, uh, you know, he's the former. Now, Mark, the uh, calendar says it's the second of November, but we really, we know that it's, let's face it, it's the first of Otani. Uh, <laughs> how soon does Shohei Otani make his decision? Um, I don't think this is going to be one of those things that lingers into January by any means. I, you know, when we've seen free agents 
linger into January. And, you know, the ones that come to mind right now, obviously, are, um, you know, Harper and Machado and that, that right. winter where they didn't sign into mid to late February. Those guys didn't have the market. There weren't the teams that were necessarily out there looking to pay them what they were looking to, to get paid. I don't think Otani's going to have that problem. I think he's going to find two, three, four suitors who are, are very interested, who are very into the idea of bringing him in, even if he's not going to be able to pitch next year. Um, and so I just I don't think it's going to linger uh, you know, into the holidays and beyond. I think, you know, could he sign by the winter meetings? Sure. You know, I think when you look at a guy like him with the contract that he is going to command, and I think even after the Tommy John surgery and even with him not pitching in 2024, uh, I think the floor for his contract is 10 years and $500 million. And, and I look at that as, you know, offensively, he's worth every dollar that Aaron Judge got last year. Aaron Judge got nine for 360. He's a year younger than Aaron Judge was last year. So let's just say, as a hitter alone, he's worth 10 years and $400 million, not to mention what he brings uh, off the field and the, you know, the sponsorships and all the, all the money that, that he can bring in just for being in your uniform. So on top of that, if you throw another $100 million on there uh, for what he might give you as a pitcher once he returns, I think $500 million might end up being on the low end. Uh, if he had stayed healthy, I think we were looking at 600, 700, I mean, some obscene number that we can't even process in our minds. Um, but let's say it's 10 for five is the floor. How many teams can really get in on that? We're looking at the Dodgers, we're looking at the Mets, you're looking at the Giants. Uh, you know, there might be a couple of other outliers, maybe the Mariners, the Rangers, the Angels are going to take their shot. Um, but I think the market's going to be pretty clear for him and his agents pretty early in the process. And once you've identified the teams that are willing to go to the area that you're looking for, then it's just a matter of getting it done. Because for those teams that are in it, let's say it's the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Giants, uh, they're going to want to know, because if they do, the two teams that don't get him, all of a sudden they're going to have a lot of money to spend that they had allocated for Otani. So I, I, I'm not saying this is going to be done in November, but it would not surprise me if you signed you know, right around that winter meeting sign. Uh, last question before you let you we, we let you run. The Padres needing to take out that fifty million dollar loan. Uh, what does that say to you? Because you know, look, I anytime anybody says that a team takes out a loan to cover payroll, everybody get you know it, it's obviously it's not the best thing in the world. But I've heard other teams having to do things similar to that. Now that was a long time ago, mind you. Is that is it really that big a deal? Uh, is that a something more more bookkeeping thing, or is that something that you think really is is something that'll really concern the Padres and really concern Major League Baseball? Well, I, I'm not a financial expert in these matters, so to speak. Um, you know, the Padres are one of the teams that were affected by the the TV situation this year. Right. Um, so I think you know they're going to have to figure out the TV situation that that's going to affect. You know, those teams are going to be affected by that. Uh, if anything, I think you look at it and say this might increase the chances that that they trade Juan Soto, who's probably going to you know get thirty plus million dollars in arbitration this year. Uh, and if if there is a financial concern, uh, being able to trade a guy like Soto with that salary and bring in talent. I mean, this is not going to be a dump where you know like when the Red Sox were trading bets. And it was like, well, everybody knows they need to trade bets, and so they're going to get these bad offers. Teams are still going to 
uh, line up to try to get Juan Soto from them if he's available. Um, so, you know, the first thing I thought of was if there are any financial issues there, that certainly would seem to increase the chances of uh, of Soto getting moved this winter. And next to Otani, I think Soto's future is going to be one of the one of the biggest topics of this offseason. Mark, really good of you to do this, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for your help all season long. Enjoy the offseason. I'm sure it will be hectic. Thanks, Mark. Anytime, fellas. Take care. Take care. Mark Feinsand is executive reporter with MLB.com. Kevin Barker, Juan Soto. <laughs> if you're the Blue Jays, you have the conversation. Now, he's not the middle-of-the-order thumper. He's not, but... Do you have that conversation? You have to, don't you, if you're the Blue Jays? Like, if you're the Blue Jays, don't you honestly at least have to kick the tires on Otani and have the conversation with Soto? Yeah. Let, with, more, most importantly, let your fans know that you're doing it? I, well, I think there's one thing of letting your fans know and actually getting it done. Uh, that, that, I mean, I, I think if I were the fans and listening to Ross Atkins talk and what came out of his mouth – I think now it's put up time. Like it's, it's no longer about you know you're hearing it, and because we always hear that, right? We always hear that the that the Blue Jays were were in on this, that, and the other. Yeah, we hear that a lot. I think now, if Soto, you think makes your team better, and you got to give up something that would matter, that might be here, that would help you a couple years down the road, then absolutely. If you think you have enough money to to front for Otani to get him here and can. Trust the prop, boy. I can't believe I'm saying that word. Trust the process, and because that's what it would take, right? I mean, there's a whole different thing that co- will come with him on trying to keep him on the field and oh, routines yeah. and all of that stuff that would go with him. If you think you can handle all that and afford that, absolutely. Think but if back. I'm a fan of the J- of, of, of the Jays, I'm tired of hearing it. Now it's time. Like, yeah, show us. Yeah, listen, yeah. I, I I'll say this. I I don't want to. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, it's re- it's there's a thing about not getting too excited in the offseason anymore. Yeah, they, you've got to be the smartest dude in the room and not get excited about going after the best player. You've got to look at it whole. You, you've got to look at it as a whole. And you can and, and, and I know there are folks out there who well, like, you know, we don't want to get we don't want to get too attached to the idea of a big player. Let's see. maybe they're going to bring in four Brandon Belts or or four guys who are you know they're not as good as the best players in the market. But if you put them all together, it, it, you, you know it, it, here's the thing with that. I mean, we did that last year. I I don't I, I just don't think it's enough for the Blue Jays to run it back with Bo and Vladdy, uh, the ghost of George Springer and. Um, you know, four four disposable dudes, four guys who are Plan yeah. Bs. I don't think you can do that quite, this year. I just don't think you frankly, can. I don't want four. I don't want Plan Bs anymore. You're if, being, you know what? If Soto's out there, have the discussion. Have the discussion if Soto's. Well, out we there. always we always ask, what would it take? How good is this team? How how would you make it to the World Series? Well, I would think it would start with getting your Seager and your Evaldi. Do they have their Evaldi? Like, would you trust Gosman enough that you think he could work it all the way through and get through yesterday's start? There's only one guy on that rotation, in that rotation, that I can see turning into or doing anything like Uvalde, 
and that's Barrios, just because he's healthy and he's the strongest of the group. That's I, I can't. Can you imagine somebody? Look, Zach Gallen, forty starts, forty starts this year. You think anybody in this rotation is capable of making forty starts? Other than Barrios, I'm not saying they're all going to be forty. Cy Young caliber starts, but Gallon made 40 starts this year, regular season, postseason. Anybody in this rotation, Barrios is the only one I can think of that would do it without his arm falling off. That's a fair point. Uh, Jason Stark of The Athletic is, uh, he's been one of our favorite guests all season long. He always brings it. He's always got a lot of good information. He's the perfect person to talk about this. This is a historic World Series. Um, my friend Mr. Barker here just asked the question about Corey Seager. And, uh, yeah, I think actually Mark Feinstein touched on it. If Corey Seager stays healthy, I mean, that's the only issue with to, to me with Corey Seager. But uh, maybe it's because he played with the Dodgers. I, mean, I, I just haven't paid enough attention to him. But, yeah, to me right now, he's I'm looking for Corey Seager. Um, I'm, I think every team in baseball is looking for Corey Seager. We'll talk to Jason Stark about that. Maybe get his sense on uh, where Shohei Otani goes and how quickly that market develops as well. Hey, it doesn't... Listen, it starts quickly, man. G- uh, managers meetings, general managers meetings, I think, are next week. Um, you You'd know, be the shocked game it's not the Dodgers. I would be shocked if it's not the Dodgers. The Dodgers I, are going to back up the brakes truck. Here's a blank yeah, check. I, Write the number in you feeling, want. I got a feeling it's not going to be the Dodgers. I got a feeling it's going to be a team like the Mariners. But we'll talk to Jason Stark about that. Mm. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that we will have one more daily show tomorrow from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. Then we will become a weekly podcast up to, uh, uh, I think, the middle of February or so, around the start of spring training. And um, we'll be available for podcasts should the Jays make any signings, make any trades. We'll do a week of podcasts when they sign Otani. I would think it's safe to, uh, Parker's just laughing. All I want to say, if they're going to sign Otani, can they please, please wait until like closer in December? Because I would like a couple of weeks off. I would like a couple of weeks off. I think it'd be nice. It thinks that it'd be nice if the Jays signed Otani around December second, December third. I'd go for that. Barker's not. uh, Barker's just shaking his head. Barker's. Barker's got no comment. I'd be surprised if they get a new hitting coach. How about that? We'll have a week of podcast just there over a new hitting coach. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, the Texas Rangers. <laughs> Congratulations to Bruce Bochy and the Texas Rangers. Five nothing yeah. winners over the Arizona Diamondbacks last night. Uh, the Texas Rangers. Kevin Barker. I'm uh, 63 years old. The Rangers Whoa. started in what 61 or whatever. So I mean, it's I know what it's like. I know what it's like. It's a long uh, yeah. wait for the Rangers. <laughs> Yeah. It's a long wait for all of us. Let's bring Jason Stark of the Athletic on. Jason, thanks for joining us on uh, on Blair and Barker today. Um, so I guess, it, is it safe to say now that the key to winning the World Series isn't pitching and defense? It's defense and hitting, hitting the hell out of the other team's pitchers. Can, can we move on from that old cliche and maybe start a new one? Uh, well, they didn't make an error. 
in the entire World Series, right? So that's true. catching the ball is still helpful. Um, but the one thing we are reminded of every October, every postseason, is the team that hits the ball over the fence the most wins. It's amazing, isn't it? Now It really uh, is. It can come and go, though. But uh, didn't come and go for this team. They they didn't home run their first game of the postseason, and then every single game afterwards. Okay, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna be that guy. Uh, after I saw Moreno trying to, well, he did bunt, bunt in yeah, the third inning with first and second, and then Tori Lavello basically come out and said he did that on his own. I wasn't doing that. That's not something we planned. We're not that you know much of a small ball team. But it will just tell you where the mindset is for that lineup, right? And it got me thinking if. You know, because I would rather see the better teams in the National League playing, you know, like the Braves and the other, you know, horses that could match up with some horses in the American League. With what we've seen, with what Major League Baseball has seen, you know, with the 84-win team getting this far, do you think in the offseason, Jason, you're the perfect guy to ask this because you're in tune with all this stuff, do you think this will force Major League Baseball's hand to maybe make some changes? I don't know. Maybe eliminate some days off for the wild card teams. Maybe make the DS seven games instead of five games. Like, do some things. I don't want to say to sort of, you know, soft toss it, to the to the hundred win teams, but make it a little easier to get them to where they need to be. Well, Kevin, I, I can assure you that it's not going to force their hand. That I, I would really be shocked if anything changes between now and next postseason. Just because I've talked to Rob Manford about it during this postseason, mm-hmm. and he wants to give it more time. Uh, look, the sport is going to look at the ratings for this World Series. And understand that you've got to have star power in your finals. You've got to have people playing in the World Series that the public at least has some attachment to. And there just weren't a lot of players in this World Series who fit that description, especially on the Diamondbacks. Um, here's the problem. Uh, this, this issue predates this format or any format. I tell people all the time, if you don't want upsets, don't have playoffs. Because even before the wild card round, even before there were wild cards, period, how often did the two best teams make it to the World Series? How often did the best team in baseball win the World Series? It hasn't happened a, a, a lot. It's just kind of what October is. It's a different sport. And I, to me, I think that's the fundamental issue. And you hit on it. Why is it not the same sport? Because of all the off days. I don't know what the way is around that, but that would be definitely something to look at. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of I, – I like it the way it is. For that reason, because to me, managing off days is it's something you do during the regular season, right? I mean, we we always talk about it. It, it. It's always a talking point. This guy is such and such into the extra day's rest. This guy is such and such in short rest. I, uh, I, I like I like a playoff format that adheres as much as possible to the the basics of the regular season, which is we play every day, but sometimes we don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to figure out our way around it. 
And and uh, that's kind of the way it should be, at least from where I sit. You know, let me ask you guys, how would you shrink the number of days of the postseason? How would you get rid of the off days? Uh, travel can be it can be hard enough. You know, yeah. you, 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 you know, you've done it. I've done it. I, I can tell you that last year, because of the lockout, when they were trying to cram the league championship series into a really short window, and I was sitting in Philadelphia um, watching game five with game six scheduled in San Diego the next day, and it's a day game, <laughs> thinking, how am I going to get there? Um, and this is the issue. You know, it's not like we've got these games fit in the, in the regionalized matchups so that you can just bop from one city to the next. Um, once you get once you get into the postseason, anybody can play anybody in any time zone, and those off days matter. They're indispensable. They just change the nature of the sport, and I, I honestly don't think anybody has ever found a solution for that. No, and, and I have to tell you another thing, too, uh, which and, and I, I wish I could remember who talked about this. It, it was around the All-Star break. It may have even been Rob Manfred. But peop, the, the, the point was made that maybe you look at shortening the regular season, and we know there are mm-hmm. a bunch of issues there. But, you know, there's another thing at work here, and, and don't laugh, but with climate change and with weather patterns being different, like you – there's some concerns in some corners in Major League Baseball because you not all the stadiums are, are, are have retractable roofs, and I just don't think you can get too cute. Well, I, I I I mean, and, and again, I'm not going to get political about, but I just don't I just don't think you can get too cute. Uh, you can get too cute with things when it comes to the when it when it comes to the schedule. Look, well, I think the game's now, in a, I think different. the game's in a real good place right now. That's just me. Um, I, I, mean, I think it generally is, too. I don't, I don't want to judge everything by ratings. You bring up schedule. Uh, you, 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 don't forget the schedule's different now, too. We've got this yes. schedule where every team plays every other team. And it's one of the reasons, if you remember back in April and even May, um, it, you had some, some teams playing no games within their division. Mm-hmm. You know why that yep. was? Because if the Jays uh, are playing in Chicago against the White Sox and two of those games get rained out, when are you going to fit them in? You know, you need as much wiggle room as possible. And so a lot of games like that were front-loaded mm-hmm. to, give, uh, to give teams the, uh, the option, the opportunity to reschedule if games got weathered out. And so there's a lot of challenges in terms of scheduling that we didn't used to see, too. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of shortening the season. I, I think it would have so many benefits in so many ways, and one of them would be to, to make sure that the postseason was a bunch of best of sevens. Yeah. I mean, best of three isn't fair. Best of five really isn't fair. Nothing about the postseason is fair, but the, the longer the series, the more fair it is. And it's it just hard to see these 100-win teams get bounced in the best of threes and best of fives. And that, that's one thing I would definitely look at. But owners don't want to shorten the season. They, they, they couldn't even get to 158 games, which is every team giving up two home dates. And that, if you do the math, that money can be made up really easily. You know, of all the – I'm looking at all the stats that the Rangers ran up this year in terms of offense and everything, but – I think the thing that really sticks out to me 
they went 11 and 0 on the road, which means the team with a bullpen that none of us I think thought was very good survived not having the last at bat to win a World Series. That to me is the most remarkable thing about this Rangers team. Well, you know, they had a losing record on the road this year. Losing record. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, it took them almost two months to win their last 11 road games of the regular season. Uh, the fact that they went out and ran off 11 in a row in the postseason, I don't think you can explain everything. I mean, the off days helped there. The, you know, look, Bruce Bochy is the ultimate bullpen maestro, and those off days enabled him to minimize the use of all the guys in his bullpen that he never wanted to put in the game and just keep running out the guys that he did want in the game. Um, so that was obviously a big factor, but them going 11-0 is one of the all-time flukes. Um, the, the franchise has been around, you mentioned it, since 1961. Never once have they won 11 regular season road games in a row. And then they did it in this postseason. Baseball is the best. Jason, how do they repeat? Huh. <laughs> well, you know, they're they're pretty damn invested in the product, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I was going to say, spend another – I mean, why not get Otani? <laughs> you're already – you went out and spent a half a billion dollars on two dudes. Go out and spend half a billion oh. dollars on one guy. Yeah. I would predict they'll be in on Otani. I would. I don't. I don't know that he goes there, but I would predict they'll be in on him. They, they've spent eight hundred million dollars on free agents the last two off seasons, uh, and then think of what they did at the deadline. Um, you know, they, they're going to have to figure out next year what they're going to get out of Max Scherzer. <laughs> what are they going to get out of Jacob Degrom? Not going to see him until late in the year, and who knows what what he'll be when he comes back. Uh, I mean, that's a, those are two huge investments right there with big question marks around them. They've got to fix the bullpen. They've got a lot to deal with. Um, nobody repeats now anyway, but that yeah. team's going to be good. Just the question is, can they be this good? Jason, listen, we, uh, we really appreciate your time today. We, uh, we've appreciated your input all year long. Um, I can tell you the reaction we get from listeners uh, to your segments is terrific. And uh, it's been a great addition to the show, and uh, we look forward to doing it again next year, my friend. It's been terrific. Yeah, yeah that'd be best, awesome. I, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed all of these conversations and uh, hope our paths cross in beautiful Dunedin, Florida next year. I think they may do that. Take care, Jason. Thank you so much. All right. Jason Stark of The Athletic. Um, And, yeah, we appreciate Jason's uh, contributions. He's he's tremendous. He's a perfect – we're lucky because we get a chance to talk baseball with – oh, we got a chance to talk baseball with the best people, the people who've been around the longest, the people who've seen the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Jason certainly certainly – Certainly qualifies mm-hmm. uh, with that. Interesting, interesting conversation about the length of schedule, and and you made a good, you made you made a good point. I didn't want to dismiss it. I didn't want to dismiss it. I I do like the fact that baseball allows for an underdog to get hot, but yeah. I I really do wonder the TV numbers aren't good in the states. Oh, it's awful. Um, now you know it's if you look 
the numbers weren't really good when the Mets and Yankees played each other either, and everybody thought that that was going to be a, a, a great World Series. But as it turns out, you know what? Folks in L.A. really don't give a rat's ass about the 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 Yankees and Mets. Look, until yeah. it's the Dodgers and Yankees in the World Series, you're probably not going to have ratings in Nirvana. But I, I listen, if they want it. To me, the answer is simple. Decrease the regular season, increase the postseason. But as as Jason said, you couldn't get the owners to give up two home dates in the last round of bargaining. Good luck trying to give them, get them to give up maybe four home dates and try to go to a 154-game regular season schedule. Yeah, they're I competing okay against a lot, that. right? I mean, they're competing against hockey, basketball, football. Like, it's a big ask. And then you got the little engine and could and the Diamondbacks. Nobody's ever heard of them. I mean, anybody who know who Christian Walker is? Absolutely not. So, you know, it's we know who Gabby Moreno is. You think the, the casual fan of baseball games, would though. know who that is? Is it? See, that's – Like, is that yeah. is that in the World Series who I want to pay yeah. attention to? No. I, I want The every, ratings well, will tell you well, no. Then, Okay, so why don't we just start the year with uh, with four teams going into a, a a playoff format for the World Series? Like it makes no sense. It's I one of those things so. you can't argue. It's like arguing about the weather. It's, it's I would think some owners are going to raise their hand and go, "Hey, how do we fix this? I how do we get some better what? teams in there?" I don't huh? think there are too many. I think I don't know why owners want every every owner wants to be where the Diamondbacks are. You don't think there are 27 other owners in baseball that w- would lo- love to have been where the Diamondbacks are? I think maybe that's Good something luck. we talk about. I don't think the average fan necessarily uh, necessarily pays attention to that. One more show, Mr. Barker. We'll be back from 11 to noon Eastern tomorrow. If you're listening to us via podcast, please leave us a lovely five-star rating and review. There's no baseball tonight, but ah, find something to do with your time. I know I Figure will. it out. Take care.